The World Show with Nikki B. And if you missed it live, catch the podcast on kaya959.co.za. Yes, I'm Nikki B, and right now I'm joined by Kesivan Naidu. It's been a while, Kesivan. Hey, Nikki, how are you doing? Good, good to have you here. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah, and uh, you, wow, you have been back, that's for <laughs> sure. How was last night? Oh, man, last night was, um, I guess, uh, a dream come true for me personally. I mean, we all, we all know how uh, historic and important market theatre is. And for me to have um, uh, come home with this, like, superstar big band and have a packed house and the the love shown by my my my, my family f- and friends so many friends from so many er- well i don't want to give away my age but a couple of decades yeah. of me being a, a professional musician it all really like came to a head yesterday and I, it, it was a um, it was extremely touching and actually very emotional, but super powerful. Yeah, I'm I'm over the moon. Yeah, amazing. I'm so sorry I couldn't make it, but but anyway, that is what we're going to talk about tonight, which right. is this Kesiva uh, Naidu uh, big band experience. Yeah, and this is what happened last night at Market Theatre. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. But, but before we go there, actually, and mm. I suppose it is in relation to this project and uh, the mm. big band experience. But let's go back a little bit because it's been ages since you've been on the world show and i wanted to start at the beginning with the drum mm. when did the drum when did you know you were going to be a drummer um <laughs> strangely enough um I, I knew um i guess physically or inside me when when i just saw the drum set for the first time like there was this guy um his name was reese timothy he was like the best drummer in my hometown is london and he happened to be dating my auntie who was basically like my sister because she was like my mom's youngest sister so um she's only like four years older than me and so she one day um my grand said we have to pick her up from my boyfriend's house yeah. and I and I, I had to go with it because my grandma was old and she didn't want to get out of the car and so I went out and I knocked on the door to go fetch my aunt from her boyfriend's house and I was about what nine years old and um, I remember hearing there was <laughs> the, there was a track playing by Georgie Porgy uh, called Georgie Porgy by Toto. Yes, I remember Georgie Porgy. Yeah, yeah and, uh, well, I mean, and, and so <laughs> but the thing is, the drums were really loud in that song, which is uh, at that particular age, I never heard the drums so loud in a song, and I was like, "What is that?" And then I just ran into the house when his mom opened the door, and I went to go look for the sound. Amazing! And then I saw um, him playing along with the with the album with on Georgia Porgy, mm-hmm. and I was like. Wow, and it was almost like there was like a light shining behind the drums. You know, like that heaven moment, like, <gasps> you know, and the angels are singing, whatever. And I was just looked, I was so mesmerized. And I went to him, like, in the, like, and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, Show me. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. And then he showed me this beat. My meantime, my grandmother was in the in the car waiting. Yeah. And I'm an auntie, and my grandmother's waiting for me because I'm getting my first drum lesson. Yes. Like about two seconds after, I saw the drums. And then I said, okay, cool. I'm gonna come back hopefully soon. And then I went to the bathroom and I, I worked out the first beat and all of that stuff. And then what happened was, um, I, um, I. I just practiced on every anything I could. So I took my, my granny's like 
biryani pots and any pans and anything. And I made up my own drums for a, a bunch of years. Yes. Like that's what I did. Obviously, my family they work uh, they, they they didn't afford my single mom and everything, so we couldn't afford a drum set. Yes. So it was just like a thing that I was passionate about, right? Yes. And then um, eventually, like okay, well. Um, 1992 happened and um, Mandela was free and South Africa opened up schools to everything and now all of a sudden I had access to like well previously white schools I guess that had this funding for the music departments and stuff and then so they were looking for I guess talented uh, uh, people of color at that point <laughs> in the 90s to come and join their schools and so I basically chose the school with the best looking drum set <laughs> right and then <laughs> like seriously and then uh, I oh dear and then I kind of like I said okay that um I was the first like black person in, in, in my school. There were like a thousand kids and there was like six of us. I don't know. Yes. It was pretty intimidating. So I had to find something that made me kind of special in there. And so I went straight to the music department that first day. Just like, okay, okay. I went to the teacher and I said like, um, I can play the drums a bit. Uh, <laughs> did you, would you take me on as a student? Oh yeah, yeah cool. You're the first year, six, seven, six, whatever grade. What's that? Seven? Okay. Yeah, seven yeah. or eight, yeah. Yeah, so in, uh, yeah. eight, yeah. So, eight. And then, and then I, I, um, I played a little bit for him, and he was like, whoa, somebody signed me up. <laughs> but unfortunately, I, <laughs> I didn't have uh, my own drum set. And there was, a, there was one in the kind of storeroom at the school. <laughs> <laughs> so me and my friend, we kind of stole it and I took it home and my, and my mom parked at the back of the school and now uh, and then I took this drum set and I was like where did you get this and no the school gave it to me but it, they didn't and then I just went home and practiced every day whenever I could and I gave this, the drums back at the end I promise <laughs> <laughs> and I could afford it and now for your mom I mean from what you from what I'm picking up as well it's not like you came from a particularly musical background or anything so how did your mom feel about you finding this path. Well, I mean, I think um, she kind of knew from um, uh, when I was very young that if I uh, if I liked something or was into something, I would just like I would be relentless about it. Yes. Right? It didn't even even if it's something like silly like if I was a kid playing with Lego, then once I got into it, nobody could disturb me until I finished it. It yes. could have been like this crazy mammoth thing, and I would like you know whatever. And it's the same thing with music. I think with with drums, I was so passionate about it, like. It, it it really became it occupied um, so much space in my mind that um, I don't think she, she just she just knew it was a passion and then I was recognized early on for like already like six months into the school I was already playing in the school band yes. and I was already like doing solo performances <laughs> now that I think about it I think oh, that's quite so cute oh no but, I'm sure it's amazing and, uh, <laughs> I mean I would probably tell that, that young whatever 12 year old to kind of calm down a bit <laughs> but uh, anyway yeah. he, and, and so I think she she just let me be yes. you know I mean I was I guess I was a strong character and then, then by the time I think this was an important thing. By the time I was about 14, I'd already been like uh, chosen to play in professional bands. So I was making money. Because yeah, <laughs> that was really what she was. As a, as a Indian uh, slash colored mother, 
the if, if, I don't care what you're doing for a hobby, but if it's bringing in some money, <laughs> it's okay. You know? No, but but I was lucky, so I didn't have to pay for. I mean, I was buying my own school school clothes. Amazing. I, I was completely in, independent. Amazing. I mean, basically after my first gig, I mean, I actually played in Alan Webster's uh, quartet. You know, yes. he played at the Hogsback Jazz Festival, and it was like the, the headline act of the festival. It's a kind of international band yes. he put together with like Israeli bass player and uh, and um, uh, Australian guitarist and all of that. And I was just like kind of like I got I don't know, fifteen year old. Uh, uh, like, I don't know, he, he called me the Wunderkind or whatever that yeah. means. Amazing, and then, eh? so, and 15, then, wow. Yeah, and then I played this gig and I remember doing the drum solo at the end and the entire place just got, erupted. We hadn't even finished yes. the song. Something happened and then he looked at me and he smiled and at the end of the gig he gave me a check. Yes, you know, uh, and, and I was like, wow, I got a check? <laughs> and then I was like, I looked at the amount and I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, at that point, I mean, it was 400 rand. Yeah. And that's a lot of money yes. for, in, in the 90s, for, the especially 90s. for kid it's like a four thousand rand now <laughs> i know i was so happy yes. and so i don't know i mean and i didn't want to tell my mom but she i had to send it to the banks yeah, yeah, so yeah, she, to the she had to cash the check yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she had to take a cut yeah. damn anyway no 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 but but anyway so the the point is that like so ever since then i knew okay this is something that obviously i love but like what really struck me is that i, I love it and other people love it too and i'll get i will survive with it Yes, and so that for me was almost like this perfect combination and enough inspiration to for me to pursue it like full on. Yes, and uh, I think my family, through recognition of other people, they also started to kind of believe that it was possible. But you know, it, like the idea of it wasn't really a thing in terms of after school, what you're really going to do. So I had to do things to fall back on, so to speak. Yes, yes. and like and hopefully out of a lucky chance, I would study music but it wasn't really a, a real thing yes <laughs> and so I was doing all kinds of things like maths and science and technical drawings because I thought I was going to be an architect yes. uh, and then uh, what happened was at the National Arts Festival in uh, 1996 um, the, one of the main gigs was the UCT professors uh, playing this guy and obviously as a young kid I, that's what I wanted to see and um, um, luckily <laughs> Kevin Gibson uh, the, my teacher and hero uh, was sick at that gig but I, we didn't nobody knew so yes. all, everybody it's a packed house and everybody's waiting for this concert to start and so I mean I, I left the gig and I was about to and then Alan was I played in this band he stopped and he said yo there's a tr there's problem we need you to come backstage and I was a bit disappointed because there was this girl that I was really into at the time and <laughs> I wanted to, to kiss her for the first time but now Alan was sending me this as an emergency to deal with like what what is this it can turn out to be a life changing emergency so what happened was I go to the backstage and there's like Professor Lily and uh, Daryl Andrews and uh, Mike Campbell and they looked at me like well, I was just a kid like is he gonna replace Kevin no I'm like uh, no but I'll try to play the song I'll do myself oh yeah just play me you know <laughs> and then they, they, they said okay well what they gave me a list of tunes they said, what tunes do you know and they're like kind of really like uh, and I looked at it and I said oh 
I, I know all of them. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, okay. And then we started playing the first song, and then all of a sudden, I checked all the guys like still looking at me like, oh, oh, wait a minute, something's going on here. And then we actually had a gig that was pretty successful, I think, uh, to the point that, that um, Mike said to me, what, what are you doing? I said, now I, I want to study architecture next year. And this was like in June, right, yes. July. So I already had six months. And yes. then he said, like, would you ever consider studying music? I said, oh, it's like a dream of mine, but I didn't think it was even a possibility. So I never, and he said, like, okay, give me your address. And those days you had to actually give an address. Like yes. an, it wasn't an at something. It was like the post box. <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, a week later, I got a mail. Let's, I mean, uh, from him with a whole brochure and the things like, and a letter that said I was accepted at UCT. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, you know, and then I had to convince everybody, my family and my mom. Actually, my mom was easy. She was just like, if this is what your heart desires, my boy, yeah. to go ahead and do it. And I think my uncle, he said the best thing to me. He said like, but see, I mean, they, you know, like, uh, um, the family's very close and precious to, uh, to each other. Uh, uh, and we've gone through some a lot of hardships, so we always try to be there for each other. And I remember my uncle saying, "Was he said he was never really going to leave East London, and uh, it was nice that somebody does." And he was said to me, I, "I need to make so much noise on the drums that he could hear it back home." Yeah, and that's was like, beautiful. And I was like, "Okay." So now I went to that mission. I was at UCT, and then the rest, is, I guess. And you, like, you've done it ever since. You've made so much noise that everybody <laughs> has noticed. <laughs> take a note just a little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing listening to your story because yeah. really it's like divine intervention. Everything you've told me yeah. is almost like this was what you came to do in this lifetime, and nothing was going to stop you, really. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just felt like. Um, you know when you're on a kind of on on the on the, um, on the flow, yes, and like the wave is going and you're just riding it, and the next door opens just in time for you to slip through. Yes, and it really felt like that for me. I, I, I've been extremely lucky. It almost feels like. I don't know, I had to use this word lightly, but it does feel like some sort of calling. Yes. And so, yeah. Now, the next significant thing, well, I don't know if it was exactly the next mm. one, but another very significant uh -huh. thing was the Standard Bank Young Artist right. Award. That was 2009, I think. Yes, 2009. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, that was also a surprise because no other drama had won it before. Yeah. And um, I didn't even think I was... In the, in the contention. I mean, I, I was obviously playing with a lot of musicians and recording with a bunch of people for that kind of 10 years of like paying my dues, so to speak, like um, um, with all like all these great musicians, but I never had my own thing. I, yes. I Obviously being a sideman in great musicians, bands, you kind of think, oh, maybe one day I could probably do something like this. But yes. it wasn't like a thing um, um, that I took, I'm the band leader. Yes. And... Um, all of a sudden, the young artist thing came to me. I was like, okay, well, I guess it's my time. Yes. It's like the sign like uh, that it's time for me to start to my, do your my thing. own thing. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, at that point, um, I, I, I think for the young artist gig, what I did mostly was I, I played music that was a tribute. Yes. I, I kind of still do it. I mean, obviously I do, but yes. uh, uh, I mean, that whole whole continent, that whole album that I recorded from the instigators, they were all tributes to people and uh, that have influenced me. Yes. So um, obviously later on, after I said thank you, I guess, to the yes. ancestors, I could really forge my own way and style. Yes. So uh, that young artist thing was basically an opening for me to meet new people. And to record the and album. To, and to record the record, yes. yeah. the instigators. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I mean... I, I, as a drummer in South Africa, the, um, it's really hard, or even any musician pursuing jazz, um, 
to save up money for a record is, t- is tricky. Yes. Uh, the economic climate for us is not the easiest, yeah. you know. And uh, unless you have a record deal or whatever, it's it's not going to happen. Yes. And then luckily... I especially mean, those days. Especially yeah, those yeah, days. Yeah, it was harder. Yeah, now people are doing it independently, but you couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't. You had to be part of a record label. Yeah, and you, there, was a, there was studio costs and all yes, of that. Like yes. uh, technology. I mean, like now I could probably do a record on my phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I wish I was uh, young now. Oh, I guess that the students are so lucky these days. But anyway, um, the, the the thing is, um, Standard Bank gave me a bunch of money, yes. and then uh, to do to do this record, and I and I had there was a bunch of musicians that I'd known from before, and I thought it, we called it they were in a band together. Yeah. Um, um, there was uh, Andre Peterson, obviously, who I played with a lot. Who was now late. Uh, he was he's a phenomenal uh, piano player, and and then. Um, on the record, actually, Mark Franzman ended up playing because Andre wasn't available. And Mark and I had been in Tribe together. Yes. You know, and then there were some European musicians that was on a tour with them anyway, so I thought I'll just call, like, combine that and, and, and record in, in Sweden because it ended up being the right thing to do at the time. Yes. And then I ended up um, meeting um, and playing with Johan Herlin and Martin Schorstedt, who was in the Stockholm Jazz Orchestra, and I played some other stuff with them. And then uh, Adrian Mears, who was um, Carlo Monbelli's trombone player on this seminal record of his called uh, Bats in the Belfry. Yes. And that uh, and, and I remember the trombone and that record really stuck out. I was like, wow, who is this guy? Yes. So Carlo introduced me to Adrian and then I, I, we, we, we became friends and we played that concert and uh, I have the live bootleg for you which I will give it to you one day. Yes. Only you. <laughs> you know? And uh, because I am, I am pl- planning on doing something with that. It was, it was a special night and also Andre is not on a lot of records. But so, I mean, again, you're going back 29, 2010 mm-hmm. yeah. and now Adrian's come and joined <laughs> you for this project which is it's just amazing. Yeah, it's like a full circle type of thing. Yes. So like basically like um, I ended up I mean, long, long story the fast forward uh, and then I end, uh, I end up in Basel in Switzerland where Adrian's actually the professor of uh, arrangement and ear training and trombone and I, I actually hadn't told him that I was moving there because yes. I, I, it was a stage just after New York where I was completely burnt out and I was kind of I just needed a break and I was tired and I, and I kind of stated that I was having this kind of like early retirement <laughs> so to speak and so I never really I wasn't engaging in music very much uh, and then I was about to announce my early retirement and then COVID hit and I thought like, no, nobody needs to hear about an early retirement in the pandemic. <laughs> They're going to think I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> so I was like, uh, so COVID stole my early retirement exit thunder. And then, uh, so I was just quietly in the back, in the background in the Swiss mountains, regathering my life. And then, um, Adrian found out I was in town. He's like, what are you doing? I said, no, nah, I'm retired. I'm not playing any music. He's like, nah, ah, that's nonsense. And like, I said, no, I am. And then eventually after a bunch of months, him like nagging me to play, um, he said, you've done, I know you've done all the stuff that you wanted to do. And I had, I had a goal yes. list and I'd accomplished all of those things in my goal list. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do next? And he said, well, what's missing? I said, there is one thing missing, which is like, uh, playing my music with a jazz orchestra or a big band and he said oh if you arrange it would you go back to practice and playing and I was like yeah sure and then I, he, he had kind of vaguely started and another friend of ours uh, Andreas who was Adrian's student who was in the Swiss Jazz Orchestra found out that we were collaborating and he was like oh you guys have to be part of our concert series so then we had it as part of the Swiss Jazz Orchestra concert series yes. 
and the Pro Visha people were there from South Africa. They were completely blown away. And they said, you have to bring this home. And I was like, really already? Yes. Cool, let's do it. And then once I got word that, okay, this thing was going to happen and it was going to be South Africa, because that was what I was writing the music around, was yes. like one day I would play with my homeboys. Yes. Uh, because we have a certain groove and feel, and the music's written for them, yes. for us, you know? Yes. And uh, then I, I, I had the privilege of sitting at, at, at up at night late going, hmm, who's going to be in this super fantastical band <laughs> that I'm going to come up with in my imagination yes. for this big band? So I wrote all all my A-list guys and I was like yes. I'm just going to give them a little shout and see if they would do. and they all said yes Yes. and I was like what and so now then we ended up doing this tour and this amazing, amazing concert like, we're going to talk more about it but I think we must go back uh, to instigators of the yes. revolution and uh, you know as we say this is coming a full circle I'm going to play the track I've seen it all Yeah. Uh, tell me about this track oh uh, well I'm a I'm a massive massive Bjork fan right uh, and and this is a track of us called I've Seen It All on uh, uh, the, the musical um, Dancer in the Dark, Lars von Trier movie. That movie had like a, like a profound impact on me. Um, and so I just took one of those tunes and I rearranged it. Uh, it's a ballad type of thing. Yes. And I rearranged it for like a, the, the, the quintet. So it features Johan Hurl and Adrian on, on trombone and uh, Mark Franzman. And, but the... the, the, the the thing is with this tune is that the trombone's function is more atmospheric. So the, the strange sounds of the year is actually not even coming from like a sample or anything. It's coming, coming from the trombone. Amazing. But that's how I love it. Let's yeah. hear the track. Yeah. I'm chatting to Kesevan Naidu and this one is uh, Kesevan and the Lights Instigators of uh, the Revolution released in 2010. It's, I've seen it all coming up after this. Nine five nine, absolutely beautiful. That is, I've seen it all from Kesivan and the Lights, instigators of the revolution. The name of the album that was released in two thousand and ten. Yes, two thousand and ten. Yes. Oh, there! I better give you some power. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know what's going on here with my headphones. Oh, there we've got some sound. But yes, Kesivan. Yeah. Now. You know, we're going we're gonna to run out of time, so we've got to jump forward. All right. But what you're doing now with a bit big band experience, uh -huh. now, you then released this album called Brotherhood. And as we're talking about, I'm telling you, that was a big hit on the world show. <laughs> <laughs> this was a big hit on the world show. But Brotherhood, tell me about the making of Brotherhood and the concept behind this incredible album. Because it seems to me like a lot of what you've done with a big band experience, you've derived from that album. Yeah, it, 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 that's exactly what happened. So basically, I was I was I started writing music, like my own stuff. Okay, well, um, I think uh, the, the the search or the, the 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 strive to be able to express yourself in in, in music is one thing, but to make it your own. Uh, is uh, I guess a whole different um, journey and uh, so I had been writing some stuff already I mean composing for other bands and other projects that I'd been co uh, uh, like a co-member of but like um, so now what, what, how, what am I saying in my way and so um, I guess the idea of um, being original 
is one thing that's important with jazz or giving back to that music. But the other thing is like, what does that mean? What does being original be? Otherwise, we all just play some stuff that makes no sense. But being original within a context of a tradition was important to me. So like, like a, a, or expanding a lineage of a tradition. So besides the American tradition, which we all studied at university or whatever, uh, for that jazz and the, there's also the, 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 um, South African jazz tradition, which I had been an integral part of in terms of my life performing. And then there's, there's the other musics like classical music and also Indian classical music, which is like a heritage of mine from my dad's side. So <clears throat> obviously all, all of these things uh, and all of these musics have influenced me. So like, how do I bring this together to tell my story? Yes. And so that was really what that record was. It was like, and then, and then, as the music and, the, and evolved with when I when I formed that band, which was basically Carl Shepard and um, uh, Shane Cooper, Riza Kota, uh, Justin Balez was extremely young back then, and and Faya Faku. Yes. So and, and and I was like, okay, cool. This this is, I mean, we were all together. I mean, we've been playing and learning this music, and then I thought, okay, what name should I give it? And then Faya was like, you know, we we're, we're really brothers on the road here because we have no family when you're on the road. We are the family. And I was like, oh. Cool. We fight like brothers. We get together. We enjoy ourselves. We have a fellowship, just like brothers. With and I just like, oh, I guess this is like a brotherhood type of thing. Which doesn't mean that we exclude the sisters. And it just happened to be boys in the band at that point. Well, like a, the, the the first all star boy band. I'm kidding. That it was like in sync or something. But uh, it, it, it in was, my book, yeah, in my book, <laughs> in the jazz book. Yeah. No, but in all seriousness, it was more like uh, us taking responsibility for each other and those people around us. Especially when you on the road, but a bit actually, I guess it's an excuse to say family. Yes, and so and that so that was what that record is really reflecting is like every person in that on that album has their own individual voice. Yes. It's not like okay, it's a drum record or it's a saxophone player's record or it's a piano player's record. It's like it's like a whole band sound, and everybody is their voice in that record. And but the record actually happened by mistake again, like just like yes. every other thing or mistake or maybe meant to be or uh, destiny or divine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I love these words, divine uh, intervention, divine, yeah, divine timing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so what, what happens is. Um, I just been writing the music, and they were pretty epic already. I mean, they were like whatever ten, fifteen minute compositions yes. and stuff like that. Um, and then this uh, Yuma Sakela <laughs> calls me one day. I'm doing. I'm about to do the gig, and he says, "Ah, are you playing tonight?" I'm like, "Yeah, yes, I'm playing." He says, "Okay, I have five people who are coming," which basically means cares put their names on the door. Yes, they, <laughs> great. They're coming. What time are they coming? And what's their names? He says, "Yeah." And he doesn't say anything. So I basically <laughs> say, I tell them they're under your name. So, <laughs> Hugh Masekela plus five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, this, uh, we play a gig, and it actually was pretty cool. We were running through this music. And then um, this guy comes up to me afterwards, and you know, he gives me a beautiful compliment. He tells me that was one of the most stimulating uh, and memorable musical experiences that he's had in a long time. And he said, wow, man, uh, you guys should play at Carnegie Hall. Would you ever like to play there one day? And I said to him, what's every musician's dream to play yes. at Carnegie Hall? Of course. He says, oh, that's good. And then he takes out his card and it's the director of Carnegie Hall. Amazing. <laughs> like, Amazing. Uh, so that's how you ended up playing there. Yeah. So I said to him, listen, I don't have, this man doesn't have a record. I mean, we, I'm just, this music's new. 
And he says, oh, well, can you record it? And then you can release it at Carnegie. <laughs> and so wow. we recorded and we did that. We released it at Carnegie Hall. Wow. Uh, I never realized that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of random. I mean, yes. And then um, after that... Um, uh, uh, I mean, when we played the Freedom Dance, actually, that was the second last track yes. at Carnegie Hall. And then we got a standing ovation. Yeah. And then I had to break it to the audience and we had to play another song because we hadn't finished our show yet. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, wasn't like, the last yeah, one. Yeah. 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 I promise this is the actual last one. Guys, calm down for a second. And no, no, it was beautiful. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this in all like jest right now, but it was really uh, um, beyond yeah. my imagination. But also, even the song Freedom Dance. Right. It has that. Tell me about the song. Well, well this, this the song means a lot to me. I mean, obviously, um, they're, they're, they're actually just musically, there are two components. There's like the the groove and the rhythm, which comes from our our freedom dance, which are concert, which is the toy toy, our protest music, and then it also comes from like Wayne Shorter and like the Joyrider uh, that record when he when he plays the Joyrider, they they play it in a way which is so like open so. So outworldly, but yet it's still solid in this kind of this groove, and you you're riding it, yes. and so it's almost like riding the toy toy in a way. Yes, you know, and uh, and so but for me, it's also and 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 that's how I've always connected uh, with this song, is it is our journey. Those of us who came from this before. generation that were there during apartheid, we mm -hmm. crossed the bridge into democracy. Mm -hmm. This is what that song is about for it, me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the transformation time. Yes, yeah, because that yes. was significant. And all of a sudden in my life, I could pursue music post that. Yes. Which wasn't really an and, option. And, and the doors, international the, doors, o opened, opened up. for you. Yeah, yes. yeah completely. Yes. But also, politically, my family was very serious because m my aunt was the first black mayor of Cape Town, yes. Teresa Solomon, and her husband, um, um, Marcus Solomon, my grandmother's brother, he was 10 years in Roman Island with Madiba. Yes. So that it was like a um, then because she was mayor, I had access to all kinds of archives. Yes. And then eventually, uh, Steve Gordon said to me, "I have the first speech of my at City Hall, and I think we should do it at the City yes. Hall." And then I I I, I, re I reconfigured the Freedom Dance that I'd already written, and I and I inserted. Madiba, snippets of Madiba's which, which I felt was important for us to still remember like beyond the 90s and like remember it now because it's just significant exactly. like, like the freedom doesn't come like no, just so this much is, this is relevant now yeah this this was, was, we yes. must remember what the guy ended up uh, and the other people ended up sacrificing their lives for yes and exactly. so we shouldn't take it for granted so I just, it's just more of a reminder that, yes. that, that uh, we got work to do and as I say, it's just as relevant today. Yes. Let's hear it for this track. Freedom Dance, Kesivan and the Lights, the album is Brotherhood. And of course, this album is a lot of what he has evolved into the Kesivan Naidu uh, big band experience on The World Show. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what 
a track. Freedom Dance, Kesevan and the Lights, the album Brotherhood, one of those timeless, timeless albums. Oh, thanks. And I mean, I was looking for it now on YouTube. Oh, uh, well. I mean, on iTunes. Well, the thing is, I yeah. actually, uh, I, I, I be, I'm at the worst a self-promoter yes. and so now luckily I've signed to some sort of management um, team and and they're gonna um, they're, everything that I've uh, recorded on my own is, is gonna be available digitally within the next month or so yes and well, uh, I'm very pleased to say I've got the physical copy yeah you have the, <laughs> there were only, I mean I was kind of old school I don't know maybe that was the problem with like when you're a kid playing with all the old school people like <laughs> you don't do the social media yeah. stuff no no but I mean like now I realize how important it is and I, I, I was still like just selling records yes and I, that's not enough I mean uh, and uh, for some reason I don't know I, I just didn't get it together digitally but now it's going to be available oh, and, good. and I, I've embraced the new world yes and I'm coming out I, I think I've almost now I, even though I said I kind of retired I almost feel like I'm just starting now yes you know yeah, you take you took your sabbatical during COVID yeah and now you're back again back again I'm so happy and I'm so sad to let you go because I feel like we had so much more to speak about right. so Kesevan I hope you're coming back to South Africa soon well I mean not to uh, preempt anything too far in the future but I'm definitely coming back to see my family for summer you yes. know which means I'm probably going to play some periphery yes. gigs because that's what one does and then uh, uh, there's something in the pipeline I won't give too much away but uh, the big band experience might return to South African it's shows before to. a year end Yes, it's got to. Please, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. You're coming back so yeah. I can come. There we go. Private gig just for Nikki. Yes, <laughs> and all our friends. And all the friends, of course. <laughs> Casey Van, I'm so sad to let you go, um, but we're going to end with one of my all-time favorites of this album. Uh, the album Brotherhood. This track is Breathe. Tell us quickly something well, about Well, basically, it. Um, yeah, breath is the most important breath, thing. yeah. You know, it, it's like a breathe or breath doesn't matter. I mean, the, the thing is, it's like... Um, you can live uh, about 10 minutes, 10 years, 10 uh, days without water and like a whole bunch of time without food, but without your breath, you're dead in like a minute, you know? Yes. So, uh, so the, the, it's, this is like, this is life. And yes. the person that uh, really breathes into his horn and speaks directly is Faya. And that's why this track was dedicated to him. I almost just composed the shell and I said, Faya, play around it for me. Yes. And then and then this became that track. The great Faya Faku. Thank you so much, Kesevan. We'll check you when you come back. Yes. And as I said, you've got to come back and we've got to finish this conversation. Definitely. There's so much more we want to speak about. Thanks, Nikki. Sure. George Maniosi is up next and of course course he's jazzing it up and don't go anywhere because what a beautiful selection he always brings for us from me and nikki b to you whatever else you do this week make sure that you keep shining of course keep it kaya and we ending off this feature and tonight's world show with breathe kesevan and the lights the album brotherhood Sunday from 6 to 9 p.m. on Kaya 959.